Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and dungeon delve, science fiction, watch yourselves. Hi everybody, I'm Ray Otis and you are listening to a special GaryCon edition of Plundergrounds. I'm going to try to bring you some sights and sounds from the show each day that we are here. This is Gary Con number 11, but only the second one for Angus and Paul and I. So here we go. Okay, here we are. It's early morning of the first official day of Gary Con. Uh, there's snow outside. Oh, it's chilly. <laughs> Woo! Those guys from San Diego don't know what hit us yet. Yep. It's um, two hours time shifted, which isn't too bad. No, not too bad. Yeah. Um, all right, Bill, you're running games at 8 a.m. this morning. How are you Br- feeling? Bright and early, feeling great. Got uh, eight hours planned of Classic Traveler. Classic Traveler. Yes. So today is traditionally science fiction day mm-hmm. at Gary Con. Most of the games today, well, not most of the games, but a, a good portion of the games today will be science fiction oriented. Uh, Paul and I, who, uh, Paul is one of our friend who traveled with us, um, we are playing Dungeon Crawl Classics at 8 a.m. Outstanding. Yeah. Cool. So, Traveler, well, tell me about the scenarios you're running. Sure. Two scenarios uh, today. One in the morning, I'll be running uh, Nomads of the uh, World Ocean. And that's essentially, think, water world. Mm-hmm. And it has a nice little uh, ecology theme in there and uh, clashing of cultures. It should be a blast. And it truly is a sandbox. So mm-hmm. my challenge will be to maintain that sand- sandbox to its four-hour period of time, give it the best uh, bang for the player buck, uh, and also be sourcing that table constantly, too, mm-hmm. once everyone receives their characters. So we are playing with pl- uh, pre-gens, which that at least... Uh, you know, shortens uh, the time there. I know the whole generation phase is very exciting, but part of the reason why I don't do the generation of the characters at the table is because Mark Miller at this particular con does an entire seminar on character generation oh. and traveler. Oh, cool. So <laughs> I, I have so much respect for the designer and the man. I in no way, shape, or form. I wonder if do he that. does percentages on how many die during that session. Well, <laughs> well I'll find out tomorrow because yeah. I'm actually going to attend that one. So let me ask you, uh, we'll get to the second session in a minute. But, sure. Uh, so two things about this first one. You said it's kind of a sandbox. You'll be sourcing the table. Yeah. Um, within that four hours, I realized that your primary uh, – thrust here is to give them the experience of that a module in the, in the sandbox. Correct. Are you going to be looking for some kind of closure? Yeah, there, well? there, there is a an ultimate confrontation that will be happening okay. between the two major factions. So I will lead the table down towards that. Now, mind you, right. I you know me, I don't yeah. railroad. So yeah. if they decide to go off in a different direction, yeah. fine, so be it. I will try to find a an ending that suits yeah. Yeah. the table where they'll feel some sort of sense of accomplishment, but... Otherwise, you know, otherwise you'll rotate me. that final confrontation in with a, you know, 45 minutes to go or something. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, and then the other thing I was going to ask about was you said it had an ecological theme, which I think is interesting because a lot of early, a lot of early role-playing modules and games had an ecological theme. Maybe because of Dune, maybe just because of the times, you know, the 70s, and uh, for that matter, Dune was a, a product of its time as well. Yeah, and didn't Earth Day occur in the 70s also? The oh, yeah. Of that? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it was when we first became really conscious about the possibility of global warming, right. about water shortages. Um, you know, the whole hippie movement brought a lot of awareness to that kind of 
theme. So it's interesting. And, and you said like Waterworld, but of course Waterworld came decades later. Right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. So that's cool. That's cool. All right. Um, and the second one? Yeah, it's Adventure 8 and that's Prison Planet. So think The Great Escape. Uh, essentially, you're putting your eight players here on a planet that it has an arid climate and it is a converted mining uh, colony which has been then transitioned into the actual prison facility. Okay. It's got a toxic atmosphere on the outside, and the key to this one is the interaction of the prisoners, all your players around the table, with the NPCs in the prison, actually upping your prison status there, and them... <laughs> gotta build your rep. You gotta build your rep, absolutely. And then them ingeniously finding a way to then break out and then ultimately make it to the spaceport to then get off the planet. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. And you mentioned something to me on the plane about the time factor in this game. Yeah. The time factor in this one goes in weeks uh, as opposed to the uh, Nomad uh, one, the Waterworld one, which is actually a sequential uh, day scenario. This one goes with week events. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. That's a weird time dilation to have in a con it, session. It, it is. But what's robust about this particular module is that it is table rich. So you as a referee, travel referee, yeah. are rolling on those tables for those players and then basically letting them know what the uh, outcome is, but yeah. utilizing the NPCs from which to do that and do those interactions. So, so is the module set up that their goal is, you mentioned the great escape, is, yeah. is it set up for them to escape or is it set up for them to rise to the top of the prison herd or either one? Uh, either one. And... Actually, as it plays out, it would be best if they ended up doing both. Okay. Because they will end up acquiring more resources right. to help them actually in their breakout. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very cool. Very cool. What are the names of the modules? Yeah. The first module is Adventure Number 9, and that is uh, Nomads of the uh, World Ocean. And then the second module is Adventure Number 8, and that is Prison Planet. Cool. Yeah. Cool. So Paul and I are playing the Croaking Fane, which is a pretty classic Dungeon Crawl Classics module. Now, I think, interestingly, Dungeon Crawl Classics is a lot about the community experience of playing those modules because the, the modules for Dungeon Crawl Classics, which I'll say DCC from now on because <laughs> to shorten that up, yep. um, is uh, they, are, they are great. They're yes. rich. Um, they good art, uh, good pacing, good storylines, interesting things going on and uh so i have while i have run dc dcc and i have a lot of the modules i have refrained from reading the ones that i've neither run nor played in because i want the experience of playing those out so i know uh, just hints about the croaking fane that i've heard from other players but i have never opened never cracked that module open so i'm looking forward to that um i think it might be a funnel i'm not sure about that okay uh, so, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to that, using all the weird dice, the D7s, the D5s, nice. uh, yeah, D16s. Yes. Maybe I'll play a halfling and get, you know, a fistful of D16s, <laughs> dual-wield dual my weapons. Um, it's a cool system, and there's quite a good showing of uh, DCC here at GaryCon. For sure. No, yeah. there's no doubt, because, again, that, with it being steeped in Appendix N, has that entire old-school feel in the play, but... With a modernized rule set. Right. And, and it is designed to be Gonzo. And truly, the strength there is in those modules. So let's talk about Gary Khan just for a minute. It's uh, 
Well, our friend Brett from over at Gaming and BS called it the high school reunion you actually want to go to. Yes, he did, <laughs> which perfectly encapsulates it. Yeah, that's perfect. Yes. That's perfect. It's a great con. Uh, aside from uh, the, the maybe the uh, – well, the location's great because it's really the birthplace of yes. role-playing games. But um, And it's not too hard to get to. It was an hour and a half, two-hour drive north of Chicago. Right. Um, uh, but I'm gonna. I'm probably complaining about the cold weather, actually, <laughs> which is sad. I used to live in cold weather, so I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, all right. So, but one of the cool things about GaryCon, well, a lot of cool things about it. One of them is is that there's a huge lineup of personalities that worked in the gaming industry early on. Yes. So you've got. I mean. What are some of the names? Bill? The TSR alum that are here, it's just absolutely crazy. Right. Uh, Zeb Cook is yeah, here. Zeb Cook. Errol Lotus is here. Errol Lotus. And essentially, all of the heavy hitters from the art department at TSR in its heyday yeah. are here in some way, shape, or form. Darlene, Diesel, yeah. Larry Elmore. Yep, exactly. So many names. Yep. Uh, you said Jeff Easley? No, I didn't. Yeah, but he's here. Jeff's yeah. here too. You can't forget him. Of course. Uh, I mean, it is just rich with uh, the TSR alum. Right. And then, of course, you have also folks who were in that similar orbit and or were inspired by the birth of role-playing games. So as I mentioned before, Mark Miller's here. So right. he, there you've got the you know father of Traveler mm-hmm. who birthed that entire system. Uh, then you have the more uh, up-to-date folks who were very instrumental in the retro clone movement or were working on um, the evolution of D&D over time. So Wizards is here in full effect. So yeah. you actually have the lead... Uh, design folks from second edition, third edition, fourth, and fifth. Right. Uh, that are attending here. Well, maybe I may take that back up. There's people that have worked on fourth. I don't think the lead designer from fourth is actually here. No. If I take that back. But the entire f- uh, fifth edition team is here from Wizards, which is absolutely amazing. Right. Uh, which is their, their and And the guys from D&D Beyond. Yeah, exactly. The folks from D&D Beyond here, Adam Bradford's here. Todd Kendricks is here. In addition, uh, I had mentioned retro clones or those that were inspired by uh, D&D. I mean, Joseph Goodman himself is here right. from, from Goodman Games. Of course. And, you know, there's DCC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got uh, folks from uh, Frog God are here. And, you know, basically anybody that Gary in some way, shape, or form reached out, touched, and those folks respect the legacy of Gary Gygax, make it a priority to be here. Sure. So also, we'll run into... Uh, Margaret Weiss, she'll be here. Oh, right. Uh, you also have Tim Cask. Tim is here. Yeah. And, of course, him being the editor of Dragon Magazine. And right. also, basically, Gary's proofer and editor for just about anything that Gary put out in the 70s, yeah. Tim had his hand in, uh, which is great. He's and a well, we can't forget funny person. We can't forget Good that dude. the Gygax family is here. Uh, the entire Gygax family is here, which, which was, is really awesome. It was the whole point of this con originally. It started out as a gathering of people in the wake of Gary's death. Um, uh, Telling stories about Gary and saying, you know, we should have a con here. Yeah. And that's Gary Con. That's how it started. Yeah. And kudos to Luke really taking yeah. the torch there. And now it's into its 11th year. Just a fantastic con to attend where folks are focused on playing games and having fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we've got all kinds of things to look forward to this week. I'd like to talk about them now, but I'm going to save them for the appropriate days. Um, I'm just excited to get started. Getting my coffee in me, feeling better here, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Got to get the all the the crank going, you know. That's right. Crank the engine up. Uh, so no, I'm I'm excited. Uh, all right. 
that's it. With that's the start of Gen, of Gary Con. I, well, I don't. Yeah, you gotta watch yourself. Gotta, on gotta that watch one. I had a whole, I had a whole podcast a couple weeks ago where I said Gen Con every time I met Gary Con. Yeah, yeah. So we're ready to get our Gary Con on. The first game that Paul and I played was to be the Croaking Fane a Dungeon Crawl Classics module for first level, I think. No, we were third level. Third level adventurers. We were supposed to play it at 8 a.m. this morning, and we sat around for about 20 minutes and realized that the Game Master was not going to show. So another gentleman at the table, um, trying to think of his name, but I don't, Joshua, Joshua was his name, uh, decided that he was going to run something for us, and he put us through our paces um, for the next 40 minutes talking about how we were scientific experiments going awry. Each one of us had signed up for a different experiment, which he let us choose in the beginning, but they had these really cool cryptic names, so we didn't really know exactly what we were picking. (laughs) And each of us woke up in a tube filled with liquid uh, as it drained away with a different weird modification uh, done to our bodies, always on our left arm, uh, if if we were right-handed, or on our right arm if we were left-handed. And... uh, just as we were really getting into it, and it was actually going to be a pretty cool uh, little module. And, and he didn't even tell us what the system was at first. Turned out he said it was actually original D&D, but uh, with, a, with some twists, obviously. But just as we were getting into it, a fellow comes up to the table and he says, Hey, I've got a game here at 9. Do you mind if I set in? And I asked him his name, and he, he told us, and we said, well, yeah, you're the GM, and right? And he says, yeah. <laughs> and we said, well, your game was at 8, not 9. And so, of course, he was embarrassed, but he immediately gets his stuff out and starts the game. So we had kind of a rushed uh, run through that module. We all survived. We actually uh, grabbed a bunch of cash and um, approaching what was obviously the sort of final bit of the dungeon, as it were, um, we decided we had enough gold, <laughs> and we split. <laughs> so we, we pulled the actual uh, deal where you walk into Vegas, hit it big, and then walk out before you uh, before you lose it all, because if you stay long enough, the dungeon always wins, right? Um, but also we were running out of time. So it was it was a pretty good game. Uh, felt a little rushed, and uh, I think we were all actually kind of excited about the game that started in the first hour. So it was a little hard to shift gears, but it was pretty cool. And then Paul and I uh, did a little bit of a walk around the exhibit hall and the artist booths and the miniatures room. And inside the miniatures room, we sat down to joust with um, some rather large miniatures. I think they were thirty five mil uh, thirty. I don't know what scale they were. Anyway, they were, uh, you know, the size of a, a toy soldier, I guess. Um, but uh, there was a, there's a cool little setup they have every year at, at, at Gen Con where um, you have two knights on horses at the either end of a jousting uh, lane and uh, with some pavilions and some other scenery around. And uh, you sit down and play for about 10 to 15 minutes and you do three turns at jousting. And uh, then whoever wins gets an advantage uh, in the final. They have a final jousting tournament uh, later on on uh, Saturday, I think. And so I've recorded that. Um, I hope it's it, the audio is certainly listenable. It's got some you know extraneous bits in it, and I didn't quite stay in character. But uh, <laughs> you can hear how Paul and I's joust went. Yeah. 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 Wow. All right. So you're ready? Yes. You're ready. Oh, right. 
Yeah. Grab your coconuts. <laughs> okay. And joust. Okay, you know you're riding chargers, not ponies. <laughs> this is what keeps me awake. It's not a really long run. <laughs> they go fast and loud, but not for long. <laughs> we're training around. I was getting the horse ready. Oh, that was the warm up. All right, Sir Paul, what is your aim point? SC. Sinister Chief. Is there, what is your defense? My defense is steady seat. So we go SC. Across the steady seat, you, sir, have struck your opponent a glancing blow. You're going to go down just like the Bears. That's <laughs> 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 so, so what you get for wearing your Bears Your jeans. aim. Fest Pale. Fest Pale versus steady seat. So we come across Fest Pale, steady seat. That is a broken lance and unhorsed ear. <laughs> yes. You broke your lance. Yes. That's a good thing. That means he hit you really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And you're on the but ground. Also, your horse kept going and you stopped. Yeah. Now, breaking your lance and unhorsing your opponent is a wonderful thing. But since we're not using combat rules, you have to return to grand your new lance. Yeah. You may only use four or six as your defense. Okay. Since you have to go get a horse, you have the same restriction. So you've used four or six and an half point that corresponds properly. All righty. It's not that much of a... It just lets your opponent know what your defense is. Okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Coconut time. Got That's it? why I make them pick up the coconuts because they can't move the barrels if they got coconuts. There you go. I reset mine. I'm good to go. <laughs> he started. I wasn't <laughs> What was your aim point? Helm. helm. Aim for helm. What's your defense? Six. You missed. I think we did the same thing. You aimed for the helm, helm uh, and I, I, did I did shield low. So you both missed. Shh. Well. Third time's the charm. Nobody got worse. The broken lance and unhorse is still winning because that's seven points versus one. All right. Third and final. No more restrictions. Okay. Within reason, do what you want. Careful not to say do what you want because somebody might just leave with my coconuts. Uh, okay. Yes? Yes. Yes? Yes. And joust. I can't keep a rhythm. <laughs> yeah, I can use that. I'm not talking to you. All right. Your attack point is okay. Your defense point is? Steady seat. Steady seat. You have removed your opponent's helm. Oh! 
your attack point. Dexter Fess. Dexter Fess versus... That is a miss. Oh! Oh! All right. Uh, without tallying the actual points, let me see here. You won that one. That was a draw. You won that one. It's actually fairly close. The Broken Lance and Unhorse gives you an advantage. Okay. Um, the starting round ends at noon Saturday. You swing by about 1 o'clock. We should have the people that advance posted. At that point, we have to fill out paper, and then me and somebody else go through and do the uh, okay. uh, semifinals. All right. And when we get down, we'll get down to one of each of these, then we'll get down to one person right. in this, and they will have the opportunity to face the Black Knight for the Grand Champion. Cool. I went this Saturday at win. Uh, the, we shut this down at noon. We should have the first posting by 1. We try to do the final joust about 5 or 6. Okay. It all comes down to if it's Luke Gygax, we got to work around his schedule. Yeah, of course. After that uh, jousting, Paul and I were so worn out from tilting at each other that we decided to go have something to eat and then take a quick nap. <laughs> That's what old people do at cons, by the way. <laughs> they take naps when and where they can. Uh, and so then we came back at it. Um, I connected with Larry. I saw, saw him in the hallway. He actually recognized my voice and, and said, hey, and, and tracked me down. So I got a quick handshake and a few minutes of talking with him. Hopefully I'll get a chance to reconnect with him later. That's Larry Hamilton of the Save or Die podcast. Uh, he ran a game this morning. I forget what that was, but I know he's running Boot Hill tomorrow. He's running something every day. And then uh, I connected with Cody and Jason Hobbs, and they um, suggested that we go downstairs to the open gaming area and start in a game of BX. Jason had to run to his room and, uh, of course, probably got stopped along the way by multiple people uh, wanting to talk to him. And so he um, took a while to get back there, and we were all downstairs. Uh, There was about five or six of us playing who were going to play, and uh, the GM standing up at the end waiting to start, and the GM was Thaddeus from the Audio Dungeon Discord, which I didn't know at the time. I had to lean over to Cody and ask him. And uh, at any rate, uh, when we realized that Jason wasn't going to show right away, the GM said, let's get started, and here's basically how the game started. He goes, uh, BX, 3D, 3D6, down the line, go. And then he starts... <laughs> He starts the adventure. He starts telling us what happened. We're part of this caravan. We're going to this, uh, you know, town and like all this. I mean, he just like, I'm pretty sure he said roll initiative before I was even done getting my character down on a piece of paper. And I was pretty quick. So (laughs) everybody's rolling like mad and getting their characters down. It just shows you the beauty of BX that you can jump into a game that fast. We all had characters within five minutes and we're already had started the adventure. Um, the first thing that happened was we fought some uh, weird bug-like creatures that um, tried to infect us with polyps or, or weird um, creatures that came out of them. Uh, then later, uh, we ran into this tree that obviously exuded some kind of charismatic uh, uh, pheromonal sap. Um, and Cody's character and my character, I, play, I was playing a wizard, uh, rolled fairly high on both con and intelligence, 16 on both. So I was pretty excited about that. Um, uh, I know I memorized Magic Missile for my first two days in the, in the storyline. But um, 
Magic Missile didn't do me a lot of good because in this instance, because Cody and I were both in, in tra entranced by the tree and uh, we very quickly moved over to the tree and started hugging on it um, and uh, became part of its little crew or herd, if you will, because it had a bunch of cattle enthralled as well. The other players kept trying to get to us uh, to drag us away from the tree, but the cattle were getting in their way. And finally, they did succeed in pulling us away, which made us very unhappy because we had um, found our completeness in this tree. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but luckily they got us away from that, uh, the evil influence of that. Um, we got to a town that had been infected by some of this weirdness and turns out that there, there was a ranger there who was still clean and um, he told us that it was uh, um, there was a, a, a meteorite, if you will, that had fallen, but it was a very organic, odd thing and uh, turned into kind of a bio dungeon crawl, which is super cool. Um, I used a sleep spell to really good effect at one point. I felt really fortunate that the one spell I had uh, fired off pretty well each day that I used it and, um, you know, I, I survived. We actually, um, we, we got in there and basically figured out how we could affect it. And then we got out and went back to the town. Well, I had an event. Uh, we were going to play for another hour and go back, right? And try to kill this thing um, and end the weirdness that was affecting the region. But I had an event I had to go to. And uh, so when we got back to the town, I left my character with Cody. Uh, later on in texting with him, I found out that there was a total party kill. So Salazar the wizard died a horrible death. I, I don't know how yet but actually before I, f I should mention this um the uh, when i used my last sleep spell there were these bee warriors attacking us with i don't know they bee warriors big insect warriors right attacking us and they had these cool like uh, bug spitting guns and so my wizard and some other guy got these really cool uh like very uh crazy bio weapons that shoot that shot some kind of organic uh, creature flechettes uh, uh anyway so when i left uh, left my wizard behind i left him in better shape than i found him but uh then i hopped up to the auditorium to listen to larry Elmore, larry elmore talk for two hours and if you never listen to larry talk he's just a wonderful storyteller and just a really genuine awesome guy um I'm going to be honest and say that while I really respect his art and I, there are pieces that I do dearly love, um, he's not my favorite artist out of the old, you know, out of the old school artists. Um, but I do really in, enjoy his work and I enjoy him as a human being quite a bit. And I recorded that session. So, uh, you know, uh, when I get back, um, it's on a digital recording device that I don't have a way to transfer right now because I didn't bring my laptop. But when I get back to home, I will take that uh, recording and make sure it sounds good and put it out for you because it's, it's really fun to listen to him talk about art. Uh, then we had dinner and got back to the room. I'm prepping for my games tomorrow. I'm running Goblin Town and um, Dungeon World, so I'm excited about that. I know Bill's games went super well, but I'll get his impressions over breakfast tomorrow for the second edition of this uh, Gary Khan podcast series. You know what? I think that's it. Um, it is, let's see, it's midnight exactly. As I look over at my clock, I see a 12.00, and that means I need to get to sleep because I am running a game bright and early tomorrow morning. So I'll see you all tomorrow.